0: Welcome to the Real Life Church Podcast channel. My name is Michael Bame. I am the pastor here, and Real Life Church is all about connecting Jesus to real lives. You can find out more about us at reallifecov.com. Jonah. Yay, Jonah. And it's uh, week four of Jonah. And there's four chapters of Jonah, so we're wrapping it all up here today. Uh, if you have not been along for the ride of Jonah here the last few weeks, uh, let me give you just a, a little uh, overview, right? Real quick overview, because I really strongly encourage you to uh, read it. It's really short, right? It's uh, one page in our little Bible here. Um, and, or go back and uh, watch the messages as just a guide, right? It's not perfect, but it's a guide to help you get an idea of what this Jonah is all about. Um, so here's a little overview, right? Jonah is a guy that gets swallowed by a big whale, right? That's what we know. That's it. Actually, that's not it at all. It's way more than just a big fish story, isn't it? That's what we discovered. Uh, week one, Jonah is a prophet of God. Uh, God of the Bible is told to go to this evil city to call out against it and Jonah's like nope I'm going to go in the opposite direction I'm not going to do that okay? why why does he do that is he afraid of these people uh, is he just being disobedient what what's going on and we discovered something about that in Jonah chapter 1 didn't we Jonah is a person that says one thing and does another doesn't he uh, and that's that's hard That's hard when you have a person that lives in a way that says one thing and does another we experience that on a regular basis and sometimes if we're really honest with ourselves. We do that same thing, right? We might justify it, but we do the same thing. The problem is if you say one thing and do another, then can you really be trusted with what you say? And that's what we found out in Jonah chapter two. He's got this beautiful prayer that he prays um, of deliverance. God has rescued him from something, but then we have to remember, where is he in chapter two? he's in the belly of that fish, isn't he? Like, he's going to die. He's he's going to be turned into fish poop. I'm not afraid to say it right here, right? That's what is going to happen. And like, somehow that has delivered him from something. Like, death for him is a rescue. Wow, that's crazy, right? So if he says one thing, does another, can we really trust what he says, that prayer that he utters? Like, I don't know if he really believes that or what. But then we learn at the end of chapter two, God talks to this fish, and what does the fish do? Come on, somebody knows. Vomits. Who said vomit? Thank you. Yeah, gold star. Vomit, right? Vomits them out onto this dry land. And then he gets a second chance. This is what chapter three, in my view, is all about. It's this God of second chances. Give Jonah a second chance. And we love chapter three, don't we love chapter three? All right. Jonah goes, he gives this message. Well, really lame sermon, doesn't even mention God, and it's five words in Hebrew, right? He just says this thing, 40 days, and of going to be destroyed. But what do the people do? Oh, they turn from their evilness, right? No longer are there going to be wicked, evil people, skinning people alive, like they're turning from that. Yay. And what does God do? He turns from destroying them. He's not going to destroy them. Wow, we love a God like that. We love that these people even turned like that. We're happy about it, right? It brings us great joy. We love chapter three. We'd love to just like close the book and be done. Can't we just end it at chapter three? And then we have today, chapter four. And everyone is going to really dislike this chapter. Yeah, it's, it's not pleasant. It's not a pleasant Chapter, it's, it's not a pleasant thing to preach because we learned about Jonah. It's what, really? It's a mirror, isn't it? It's a mirror that you look into. The more that you study this, the more you start seeing yourself. And oh boy, oh boy, are we going to get a, a picture of ourselves in that picture? That reflection may not be so good, right? Because it's really focused in on Jonah. In fact, chapter four, we learn why Jonah ran away from God in the first place. It was not because he was afraid of these Ninevites, these people in the city, these evil people. It wasn't because of that, right? Which might seem bad enough. It wasn't that he was just being disobedient to God, right? That seems pretty bad. The reason is actually much worse. And if we see any element of ourselves in this, it's not going to be pretty, right? So you ready? Ready to see this awful thing? Yeah, Horrible. Well, let's take a look. Let's get into it. I want to dive into it right away. Jonah chapter four. If you are using a red church Bible, you can certainly do that. Uh, it's on page 702. And why do I tell you the page number? Because it's this long, right? It's try to find that in all these pages, right? 702, uh, Jonah chapter four. If you're using the, the Real Life Church app, you can do that as well. You can download it. Just go to notes. And then click on Jonah 4, boom, it's right there, and you can take your own notes, which you might want to do uh, today, or a church app that you ha- or a Bible app that you have that you can read, or of course, you can always follow along on the screen. So, Jonah chapter 4. Now, just let me remind you, what happened at the end of chapter 3? God turned from destroying this group of people, right? Yeah. We celebrate that. We're like, awesome, what a great God this is. Let's see what Jonah has to say. Jonah chapter four, verse one. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. What change of plans? Why? Did the plans change? Is this God like going against what he just said he was going to do, right? Right? 40 days, and Nineveh will be, what, what was it? Thank you. Somebody was here last week, right? Overturned, yeah. Overturned, which could be destroyed, which is exactly the way Jonah thinks it should be, but it could also be overturned as in changed, right? They could just be changed. So it's a little bit ambiguous. So is it really a change of plans? In Jonah's mind, right? Jonah is convinced that these evil, awful people who um, I'm very sure have been a problem for the Israelites, certainly have been persecuting them, Have certainly treating other people horribly, sees that they need to be destroyed. Right. So that change of what he thought was going to happen is what he's upset about. Like, furious is the real word here. I mean, like, he's shaking with anger. He's so mad. And then he has a conversation with God Do you want to know the reason Jonah ran away from the presence of God from the very beginning? Let's read it, verses two and three. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted did not come true, did not happen. Why did Jonah run away? Is he afraid of these awful people? No, he's not afraid of them. Is he just being disobedient to God? No, no. The the reason why he ran away from the presence of God is because he knows who this God is. He knows the very character of this God. He knows that this God is, well, merciful and compassionate. He's really patient, really, really slow to get angry with people. He's filled with this loyal love, and he is like eager, like looking for any reason to turn back from destroying human beings. This God is just this dirty, rotten, no-good forgiver, right? How dare he? How dare he? This is the problem. Jonah knows that God is looking for any reason to not destroy this great city. It's a great city with all these people in it. 120,000, we're going to find out, right? Huge city, takes three days to walk across it, filled with people, filled with images of this God who are doing a horrible job at being an image of God, right? And Jonah is the one that knows what this image of God is, this character of this God is all about. Jonah has experienced that. His experience that mercy and compassion, right? And yet he knows this God will destroy people, and it's kind of like he feels like if God is a good God, he should, well, do what Jonah says, right? Jonah goes in this little temper tantrum because God does not do what he says, which is what Jonah wants. He doesn't destroy these people. He turns from it. In fact, uh, poor Jonah here is put in such a place that he's yelling at God. I mean, think about the relationship you must have with this God that you can just spout off a bunch of stuff at him, call him out. And what is this God going to do? He can destroy destroy a whole city, right? And Jonah's going to spout off to him. You know what God does? Asks him a question. Just asks a question. In fact, He'll ask this question twice. All God does is ask questions here. And what's that question? Verse 4 says, The Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Is it right for you to be angry about this? I'm showing compassion to a group of people. Is it right for you to be angry about that? Is it? Let's stop and think about this for a second, okay? Because I feel like we can identify with Jonah. Here a little bit. Now we may not have you know Ninevites in our lives, right? We may not have what we would call enemies, but we certainly have people that do some awful things. Maybe even to us, right? They say things to us that are hurtful and degrading, or maybe they say things about us behind our back that feels like betrayal. Maybe they have done things to us that have have robbed us of of a good life that we could have had. And we just think, man, they're awful. And if you have been a follower of Jesus, you're like, well, I've experienced God's forgiveness, his love and his patience with me when I've been awful and my words have not been right. And I've done things that have actually harmed other people. Rob them of life that they could have had, I love it when God is merciful to me when he's taking his time at at being angry with me. yeah, I like that. that's a good thing. What about these other people? Is it right for Jonah to be upset about it is it is it right for us to go like, man, why aren't they getting what they deserve? Why doesn't God do something about them why why is he? Take away something from them. We may not want them to be destroyed, but we certainly don't want them to have good things like we want to have good things, right? This is what we're getting at here. We're, it's going to dig a little bit deeper of what the real issue is for Jonah and how we act like Jonah. I told you it's not going to be comfortable, is it? Yeah. It's not going to be comfortable. So, so God asks this question Is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah gives him the cold shoulder, right? Not going to not going to answer it. In fact, he's just going to go and pout. Verse 5 says this. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. God, are you going to do what I told you to do or not? Right? I called you out. And the right thing to do is to destroy this city. I've held your character against you, called out your weakness, God, that you are just eager to forgive people. It's not right. It's not right. So I'm going to go sit up here, make a little shelter for myself to get out of the hot sun. I'm going to sit and wait to see if you'll do what I tell you to do. Right? Jonah has a way that life should be. He has an understanding of the way God should act. In fact, really, he's expecting God to be like Jonah. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? Do do we not do the same thing? When when life doesn't work out for us, when, when people are doing things to us in our life and making a mess of things, don't we do the same thing? God, why are you letting this happen? I'm just gonna go sit up in my little shelter and wait for you to fix it and do what you're supposed to do. Do the right thing, God. Fix it. Heal this person. Condemn that person. Make bad things go with them. Straighten out my life, God. Make it good for me. Jonah is really concerned about Jonah. Jonah is acting as if he knows what's better than God knows. And does Jonah want to live in this world where this God forgives his enemies? What did he say? Just kill me now, right? Death would be better than living in a world where everything doesn't go the way that I think it should. Death would be better than living in the world where those people that have hurt me, and they've harmed me, and they've made a mess of things, well, they get to be forgiven. That you're actually patient with them and you're showing them some mercy. Just kill me now. Is it right for you to be angry about this? Jonah thinks it is, right? Now, God is going to do something here. He's going to invite Jonah into seeing things through God's lens, right? Through his mercy and compassion and his patience in getting angry through his unfailing love and his eagerness to forgive people. He's, he's going to invite Jonah into this. And it, it happens in a weird way, right? He, he puts Jonah in a situation to try to draw attention to that deep thing going on inside of Jonah, okay? He's creating an environment to draw something out of Jonah to point it out, okay? So we're going to read the, the following, the ending of it, the next few verses just in one read and then we'll come back and unpack it, but see what is God trying to get at here, okay? Verse six and following. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Only time Jonah's happy in this whole story, just so you know. But God also arranged for a worm, The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on Jonah's head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came up quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? What's the problem? What does Jonah need to see that he's not seeing? Just leaves it with a question. Is it okay? God's asking for permission. Is it okay that I'm concerned about these 120,000 people that I've created in my image but are walking around in spiritual darkness? They don't know Who I am and how to be merciful and compassionate, to be slow to get angry. They don't they don't understand what that is like. They don't understand what really good loyal love is all about. They don't get how to be eagerly seeking not to destroy people. All they do is go around destroying other human beings, to create a great life for themselves and their own nation and their own kingdom. Is it okay? And I'm concerned about these images of mine so that they can really be my image. Can I can I do that? Is that okay? He's asking Jonah for permission. What kind of God is this? Right? Talk about slow to be angry. Is it all right? Jonah no longer sees these. Ninevites, these people of the Assyrian nation as human beings. They're just an object in his way that need to be annihilated. He treats them like worse than animals. Just get rid of them. Just annihilate them so my life is better. Jonah got upset when God forgave this whole city. Jonah gets upset when this shade that he got to experience, was taken away from him. And God is concerned about a whole group of people, 120,000 people, that has never experienced his shade. Jonah knows about this. He knows what it's like to experience God's mercy and his compassion, his slowness to get angry and his unfailing love, because God doesn't just annihilate Jonah, does he? He asks him a question and asks it again and then asks one more time in a different way, continually to invite Jonah in to being a full image of who God is. Imagine a world where a city like Nineveh, who goes around skinning their captives alive, turns from that, and says, you know what? We're going to be more merciful. We're going to be more compassionate. We're going to be slower to get angry. We're not going to focus just on our own things, but we're going to have this loyal love for other human beings, and we're going to be eager to forgive people that do something to us. What if there was a whole group of people that followed someone greater than Jonah that learned these teachings and the character of God and who we are to be and actually lived it out was just as concerned about other people that are walking around in spiritual darkness and don't understand how to be like Jesus, that we could be Jesus to them. Imagine what that would do, how that would change everything if we were also eager that they would not be destroyed. That's us, isn't it? Isn't that horrible? I mean, you know people in your life. I don't care if it's a person in the cubicle next to you that's just annoying. You're like, if they make that joke one more time, God, bring down the fire. You think it. You don't say it, but you think it. Come on, right? Right? The people in your neighborhood, you're like, that dog is barking like, why don't they? I mean, I'm that neighbor, but still, the point is, right? Have a little compassion and, and slowness to get angry about it, showing them compassion as love, or maybe deeper things. The people that have said those awful things to you and about you, done them to you. Can we still care that they won't be destroyed? Can we see them as images of God that are in spiritual darkness that they just don't know? Can't we have some mercy? And compassion, just like we love to experience when we screw up. Yeah, that's the point here. Jesus is calling us into something more. In fact, he says it. Matthew chapter 5, this is a part of his sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and following. Just check this out. Tell me he's not having Jonah on the brain here. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of who? Your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Jonah sitting out in the hot sun, so hot it's going to cause him to faint. And God gives him some mercy with his shade. Do you think that sun and that scorching wind is just on Jonah? It's also on the city of Nineveh. Can we not have compassion? Can you not have mercy? Can you not want them not to be destroyed? They're images of God that don't know how to be the image of God. Do we know what that means? Do you think the Ninevites are enemies to Jonah? Oh yeah. Do you think they're persecuting Jonah? Oh, for sure, right? and all the people around them. And what does God say? Love them. Pray for them. It's not our first go-to, is it? Condemn them. Fix it, God. Make my life better. Make it the way that I think it should be. Get them out of my way. Yeah. This um, whole story of jonah Uh, has done a lot in me um i have heard some stories about what it's done in you and actually have uh, a friend of ours that has been truly affected over this last several weeks uh, mike trechler who um does all the planning and everything and makes us brings a team together make this music really great for us to experience um each week uh he's been really changed by this and uh and struggled with this. It's not an easy thing to face, right? I asked Mike to come and share his story about what Jonah and the stories Jonah has done with him in your life.
1: Hi. Some of you may not know that uh, every Tuesday, uh, Mike Bame and I get together and we do worship planning, and we plan out weeks in advance, and sometimes Ashley's there or Amanda. So when we were talking about the message you just heard, I just felt this really weird depression and it helped, helped me uh, flash back to when my dad died 20 years ago. At my dad's funeral, people were sharing all the good things about him, how he helped in a prison ministry and helped a Christian school and helped with admin, admin stuff in his own church. And in my mind, I'm screaming, you don't understand what this man was like when I was a kid. I grew up with a very angry and abusive father. I looked for ways to be out of the house as much as possible. So like Jonah, looking at the Ninevites, I couldn't see my father in any other way. And I just held on to that anger, and I just felt so burdened. After the funeral, how many of you have seen the Christmas carol? Marley and those chains that bound him with that heaviness and all that regret. That was me. It took me several years to unpack that. And that anger and and my unwillingness to forgive my father was a burden. And I just uh, finally got fed up with it. And I came to the Lord and said, Lord, only you can heal me from this and help me to forgive my dad. And so I did. And a verse came to mind and has become my verse that I use in my life a lot. The Lord is good, Nahum seven says, a stronghold in the time of need and he knows those that trust in him. Unfortunately, forgiveness for most people is not a one-time deal. It's something you have to go back to again again and again. Sorting through this part of my life these past three weeks has been uh, cathartic. It's been healing to me again because I had to look at where that anger still lingered and where that unforgiveness was still a part of my psyche. And so I just want to tell you that God is willing to help forgive you and help you through issues in your life. So I just encourage you to seek the Lord and find that healing, that he can be your living hope.
0: Hey there, hope you enjoyed the sermon today. We love connecting Jesus' life with other people's lives, and hope we were able to do that with you today. If you'd like to know more about us here at Real Life Church, please check us out at reallifecov.com. Thanks for listening.